it's difficult sometimes when you do a chapter a week because it's our intention is just to do a high level overview uh, of the book of Genesis. But in chapter 23, there was 20 verses and chapter 24, there's 67. So I'm going to try to talk really fast uh, and get through it. <clears throat> but in uh, verses one down through verse number nine um, is where Abraham uh has his servant swear an oath. So before we get into that, you can see here in the notes, uh, we're going to be talking about uh, typology. And some people are not real familiar with what that is. Uh, so typology is a special kind of symbolism. A symbol is one thing which represents something else. That's what we call symbolism. Uh, we can define a type as a prophetic symbol because all types are representations of something that is coming in the future. More specifically, in Scripture, when we talk about a type, uh, it's a person or a thing in the Old Testament which foreshadows a person or a thing in the New Testament. So why is that important? Well, because there is a lot of typology in chapter number 24. So as we read through this, uh, Abraham here is seen as typology, as a type of God the Father. Isaac is seen as uh, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Uh, the servant is seen as uh, a type of the Holy Spirit. And Rebecca is a type of the church or the bride of Christ. So as we go through that, uh, just understand that that's kind of what it is, the story is representing. Uh, and that was through God's divine purpose uh, that this was done that way. Uh, some of you have probably heard uh, messages preached on this chapter. Uh, and it, they, the, the preacher probably talked about the typology, uh, about uh, Rebecca specifically is where most of it comes from about how that Rebecca is the bride uh, and uh, Isaac uh, is typifies Jesus Christ. But that's where we are uh, here in chapter number 24. Now I'm going to read verses 1 down through verse number 9. And Abraham was old and well stricken in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And Abraham said to his eldest servant of his house that ruled over all that he had, Put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh. And I will make thee swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that thou shalt not take a wife unto my son of the daughters of the Canaanites amongst whom I dwell. But thou shalt go unto my country and to my kindred and shalt take a wife unto my son Isaac. And the servant said unto him, Preadventure, the woman will not be willing to follow me unto this land. Must I needs bring thy son again unto the land whence thou camest? So that can be a little confusing. What he's saying is, should I not take Isaac with me to the place that you came from? Uh, because what kind of a woman is just going to leave with a servant and go meet a husband she's never met before? And he's like, maybe Isaac should go. Um, and verse number six, Abraham said unto him, beware thou that thou bring not my son thither again. So in other words, he said, do not uh, take Isaac. 
the Lord God of heaven, which took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred, and which spake unto me, and that swear unto me, saying, Unto thy seed will I give this land. He shall send his angel before thee, and thou shalt take a wife unto my son from thence. And if the woman will not be willing to follow thee, then thou shalt be clear from this my oath, only bring not my son thither again. And the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham his master and swear to him concerning the, mass, the, the matter. So a lot of people always want to ask the question, what in the world does this mean, putting his hand under his thigh? Uh, if you, you, you can read multiple commentaries and you'll get multiple different ideas of what this means. Uh, there's not uh, any known custom uh, that this uh, relates to. Uh, and some people, uh, actually a lot of commentators don't even mention it. They just skip it. Uh, and that's when you know. If you ever read a commentary and somebody doesn't address the question that you have in your mind, it's because either they don't know or they're not positive, so they just don't even address it. Uh, so a lot of the commentaries, commentators won't even address this. Uh, it's not really all that complicated. What does it mean when he put his hand under his thigh? We don't really know, but this is what we know is Abraham had him swear an oath. Okay, so he swore an oath. Uh, the reason why he put his hand under his thigh, I, I can't give you a, a good reason for that, uh, what that process was, but it, it, you know, it just is that he swore an oath. Now here Abraham uh, is about 140 years old. So he's 137 when Sarah died in chapter 23. And now we move from chapter 23 to chapter 24 and three years have passed. Well, how do we know that? Well, we know that because what we're going to see in this chapter is that the servant goes and finds Rebecca and brings her back. So that's about a two-month trip or so. Uh, and then when we jump forward into Genesis chapter 25, when Isaac marries Rebecca, it tells us that he was 40 years old. So we know that Isaac was born when Abraham was 100. So here Abraham is either 140 or just about 140 years old. So this is roughly uh, three years since Sarah died. Uh, the servant here was not named. It is most likely uh, Eliezer uh, who was mentioned back in Genesis chapter 15. Uh, and Abraham, we talked about, he makes his servant swear. Uh, and that's when in verse 5 through verse number 7, uh, the servant says, well, what if she doesn't come with me? What if she won't come? And Abraham said, well, then you're free of the oath. You, you are not bound by the oath if the woman chooses not to come. Uh, and then uh, he uh, swears uh, in verse number uh, nine and makes the uh, oath. So now let's read... Uh, starting in verse number 10. And the servant took 10 camels of the camels of his master and departed for all the goods of his master were in his hand. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia unto the city of Nahor. Now, Nahor was Abraham's brother. So when he went to the city of Nahor, what he's going to is he's going to a city that is named after Nahor. 
Okay, so, <clears throat> and just remember that Nahor uh, was Abraham's brother. Uh, and he took 10 camels, and that's important as well. Uh, verse number 11, and he made his camels to kneel down without the city by the well of water at the time of the evening, even the time that women go out to draw water. And then he prayed in verse number 12, and he said, O Lord, God of my master Abraham, I pray thee, send me good speed this day and show kindness unto my master Abraham. Behold, I stand here by the well of water, and the daughters of the men of the city come out to draw water. Let it come to pass that the damsel to whom I shall say, let down thy pitcher, I pray thee that I may drink. And she say, drink, and I will give thy camels drink also. Let the same be she that thou hast appointed for thy servant Isaac. And thereby shall I know that thou hast showed kindness unto my master. So here you can see not only the faith of Abraham, but you can also see the faith of his servant. Because Abraham told the servant, no, you go because the same God that told me to leave Ur of the Chaldees and the same God that made me the promise that he would give all this land to my seed, that same God will send an angel and will prepare the way and will have that person uh, ready. Uh, so here... Uh, the Holy Spirit of God and the angel of God has prepared uh, this woman's heart. And uh, so then the servant uh, says to God, let me, let me know who, who it is because I'll ask her to drink and she'll say, here, take a drink and I'll give your camels drink also. So I will say that um, it's not... Uh, I don't want this example to be something where we can always put God to the test. Okay, that's uh, that's not really what he's talking about here. I will give you an example of times that I have prayed something similar. Okay, uh, there's been times at work when a position opened up, and it would have been a promotion for me, and I wanted that position. I wanted to. I wanted that job. But what I would do is I would not pray, God, give me that job. I would say, Lord, if it's your will, if this is something that you would have me to do, you open up the door and let me get that promotion. And if not, then I'll know that it's not your will. Because if it's God's will that I get that promotion, I don't have to do good in the interview. That's just the way I look at it. They, 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 will, they will give me the job and they won't even know why they gave me the job. Because if it's, and that doesn't mean I can go in there and purposely mess up, right? But that's, that's just how I look at it. So if when I don't get the promotion, uh, and there's been several times that I didn't, uh, first of all, I don't have to feel real bad about it. I don't have to be depressed. I just know that, well, it wasn't God's will. Because if it was God's will, he would have made it happen. So I don't have to worry about it. So that's where the servant is. The servant is taking this extremely seriously. This is... His master's son that he is charged with going and finding a wife for. And he's praying to God for help because he says, I don't trust my own judgment. I need the hand of God. And that's the way we should be in our lives, right? However we pray that, we should say, I don't trust my own judgment. And you shouldn't trust yours either. Why? Because we're human. <laughs> and and, and we, we, we think we want things and... We think that would be the best for us. 
I mean, look back on your life. I can look back on my life and I can see so many things that I wanted to happen and so many things that I prayed that God would let it happen, that had it happened, it would have been the worst thing that ever could have ever happened to me. But in the moment, I thought it would be the best thing. So here, uh, we should bathe everything in prayer and we should go to God for his leading and for his hand. Now, this is, this is uh, one of my favorite parts of the story. Verse number 15. And it came to pass before he had done speaking. So he was in the, before he even finished his prayer, because he was praying in faith, right? He wasn't praying to test God, right? He wasn't praying to, to, to see if God would do it or whatever. He knew God would do it, right? Abraham knew that God had a wife chosen for Isaac, and so did the servant. But the servant said, Lord, I need help to make sure I don't mess this up and I actually bring the one back that, that is your will. So before he even got done speaking to God, and I don't think he was saying an audible prayer here, uh, before he had done speaking, that behold, Rebekah came out, who was born of Bethuel, son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, with her pitcher upon her shoulder. So I... When I see this, I don't see six women coming out. I don't see three women coming out. I see him standing by the well, by himself, had all his ten camels kneel, and he prayed to God and said, let the woman uh, that I asked for a drink, she gives me a drink and says, I'll draw for thy camels also. And then before he finished speaking, one woman walked out, and it was Rebecca. Sometimes God answers our prayers quick, doesn't he? Yeah. Sometimes he makes us wait a little while, right? Now, that doesn't mean that God always answers this quickly, but here, before he even finished talking uh, to God, before he finished the prayer, he, she came out. Now, I will tell you this. The prayer that he prayed was no small matter because a camel typically would drink around five gallons of water. And he had 10 camels. So for a woman to say, oh, let me voluntarily draw water for your 10 camels. You're talking about 50 gallons of water. Roughly. Un unless they're really thirsty, it might be more. Right? But they just, they just did this 30-day journey. And they've gotten here. Uh, and I'm sure the camels now are tired. They're thirsty. He didn't have any way to draw water. So here... Uh, before he could even finish the prayer, Rebecca walks out. Verse number 16, And the damsel was very fair to look upon, a virgin, neither had any man know her. And she went down to the well and filled her pitcher and came up. So here the servant is watching her. She fills up her pitcher and then she comes up from the well with her pitcher. Um, and verse number 17, and the servant ran to meet her and said, let me, I pray thee, drink a little water from thy pitcher. So here she, she, she's getting ready to head back home with her pitcher of water. And he ran over there and said, could I, have a, could I have a little drink, just a little drink of your water? And listen to what she said. She said, drink, my Lord. And she hastened and let down the pitcher upon her hand. So she probably had it on her shoulder or on her head. And she let down the pitcher on her hand and gave him a drink. 
And when she and when she had done giving him drink, she said, I will draw water for thy camels also until they have done drinking. Now put yourself in the servant's shoes. If you just prayed this prayer, and before you even finish the prayer, here this beautiful young girl walks out, and then you ask her for a drink, and then she gives you a drink and immediately says, well, let me draw water for your camels also. He probably had to resist the, 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 the desire to shout and start running around in circles. I mean, can you imagine the feeling of joy in his heart? And he, I'm sure that he wanted to praise God, but he was able to keep his composure because he didn't want to mess this thing up, okay? Um, verse number 20. Oh, first of all, in verse number 19, uh, she said, I will draw water for the camels also until they have done drinking. So she said, I'm going I'm to draw water until they're finished, all 10 of your camels. Now, this is a lot of water. Um, and she hastened, in verse number 20, and emptied her pitcher into the trough and ran again under the well to draw water and drew for all his camels. So I don't know how far the trough was from the well, okay? But it wasn't right beside of it. So she had to draw water. She had to go over to the trough and said she hastened. She hurried. She was in a hurry to do this. She wanted to get this done. And, and so <clears throat> this right here tells us of this woman's character and her work ethic and, and uh, just the type of person that she was. <clears throat> that she was willing to do all this. Now, he didn't offer to pay her. He didn't, he didn't even ask her to draw water for her camels. She volunteered and never expected, maybe she thought, well, he might give me something. But what we're going to find out is, is that she wasn't a peasant. She wasn't a pauper. She wasn't somebody that was begging for handouts. Her family was fairly wealthy, uh, and they, they did not, uh, she did not do this hoping that she could get some money so she could pay the rent. <clears throat> um. Uh, verse number 20, she hastened, emptied the pitcher in the trough and ran again to the well to draw water and drew for all her camels. And the man wondering at her held his peace to wit whether the Lord had made his journey prosperous or not. Now this is an interesting verse to me that the servant held his peace. So that's where I said he kept his composure, all right, because he didn't want to mess this up. So he just watched her this entire time, watched her run back and forth. But the interesting thing to me is where it says in verse number 21, um, the man wandering at her held his peace to wit whether the Lord has made his journey. How in the world could he be thinking? How could he have any doubt? He, he was wondering if this was the woman. I'm like, how could you wonder? How, how, how could there have been any doubt at this point uh, when somebody was willing to do this? But you got to remember there was more, Abraham did not charge him with whoever gives water for your camels, okay? Abraham, if you remember, charged him, said, you must find a wife from among my kindred. So this was uh, the servant's prayer to help him find, but then he's wondering, 
is, who is this woman? Who is her family? Is this really the one that God sent me here for? Or is this just chance that I prayed this and here she is? So he's, he's still wondering about it. Um, and then verse 22, And it came to pass, as the camels had done drinking, that the man took golden earrings of half a shekel weight and two bracelets for her hands and ten shekels weight of gold. So he pulled out all this jewelry and everything else and, and gave it to her as payment for her hard work. Once again, he still doesn't know who this girl is, but he uh, <clears throat> paid her and showed her basically uh, how wealthy he was and how prosperous he was. And then he said, so here's the big test. He said, whose daughter art thou? Tell me, I pray thee, is there room in thy father's house for us to lodge? So then he asked a big question. And this is probably where the nerves and the queasiness was in his stomach, right? Uh, whose daughter art thou? Who's your father? And is there room for us to come and dwell? Now remember, this wasn't just one man with ten camels. Okay? He had a lot of... This was a whole horde of people. Okay? And on these ten camels, what were these ten camels carrying? Well, they were carrying, obviously, food and water for the journey, but they were also carrying a whole lot of money. There was a lot of wealth. And this, what he gave her was just a small portion of what he had. And if you'll remember, it said that when he left Abraham, that all of Abraham's wealth was in his hand. So he had um, everything to offer uh, the wife of Isaac. And then um, verse 24, she said unto him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, which she bare unto Nahor. So now the servant got the answer that he was really looking for. So this is a kindred of Abraham. So this is Abraham's brother. Basically, it was, it was Abraham's brother's granddaughter. So that would make her and Isaac, what, third cousins or fourth cousins or however that goes. Uh, so this was Abraham's grandniece. So now the servant at this point is 100% convinced because what he prayed happened and what Abraham charged him to do happened. Now he really starts feeling the pressure. All right, so God has set this up. I don't want to mess this up. <laughs> I've got to convince her to come with me to marry a man who she's never heard of and never met and never seen. I don't know about you, I had a hard enough time trying to find a wife, much less trying to find one to marry somebody she'd never met and never seen, right? And some of you are looking at me saying, yeah, you probably would have been more likely to find somebody that never met you or never saw you. All right. And she said, uh, I am the daughter of... Bethuel, the son of Milcah, uh, which bare Nahor, unto Nahor. And she said, moreover unto him, we have both straw and provender enough and room to lodge in. 
And the man bowed down his head and worshiped the Lord. So at this point, he knew this is it. Now's where he praised God because now is when he knew 100% that the hand of God was on this. Verse 27, and he said, Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who hath, left, uh, who hath not left destitute my master of his mercy and his truth. I being in the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. <clears throat> so then Rebekah, all this happened, and then he immediately started praising God, and I... I don't know why she ran, okay? Or I don't I be honest with you, I don't know how he knew where she lived because the Bible says she ran, she ran away. So maybe there was some other people there that that took him home, but it says the damsel ran and told them of her mother's house these things. And Rebekah had a brother and his name was Laban and Laban ran out to meet the man at the well. Now, there's a couple of things. Rebecca's father was uh, Bethuel. Her grandfather was Nahor. All right. So if Nahor was alive, he would have been the one that did the uh, negotiations. He is not mentioned anywhere in here. Uh, so he would have been the patriarch. So everything would have went through him, even for his granddaughter. So then Bethuel, we, we are pretty confident that he also has passed away because it says that she went to her mother's house and her brother came out and met the man. So the brother was the one that now we're going to see. There's two brothers that end up doing the negotiations for the marriage, okay, which tells us that Nahor most likely has passed away and Bethuel, her father, is most likely passed away. So that's where it fell to her eldest brother, Laban. Uh, and it came to pass when he saw the earring and the bracelets upon her, his sister's hand and when he heard the words of Rebekah his sister saying thus spake the man unto me that he came unto the man and behold he stood by the camels at the well alright so I got ahead of myself that's how he knew where to go because Laban, she ran away and then Laban went out to the well to get him um and he said, Come in, thou blessed of the Lord. Wherefore standest thou without? For I have prepared the house and the room for the camels. And the man came into the house, and he ungirded his camels, and gave straw and provender for the camels, and water to wash his feet, and the men's feet that were with him. And there was set meat before him to eat. But he said, I will not eat until I have told mine errand. And he said, Speak on. <clears throat> so, Basically, what happened here is Laban told the servants, prepare everything. He went out to the uh, um, well and brought the man home. Everything was ready. They had a big meal prepared, and they were going to sit down and eat. And the servant said, this is too, way too important. I can't sit down and eat until I tell you all why I'm here. I got I to tell you the purpose before I go any further. And that's when he goes through... And I'm not going to read the scripture for sake of time, but basically he goes through and tells everything. He said, my master's name is Abraham. 
and this is what he charged me, and this is what he told me, and this is what I prayed, and then Rebecca came out, and this is what she did. And so he tells the entire story of everything that happened up until that point. So now Rebecca's family uh, is all uh, up to speed on everything uh, that he said, uh, and remember, this servant is a type of the Holy Spirit, uh, letting Rebecca and her family know all about the father, Abraham, before he begins to present the son. The identity of the father is extremely important. If Isaac was not the son of Abraham, he would be just another man, and Rebecca would have no reason to accept the invitation uh, to be the bride. So, listen, the most important character in Scripture is Jesus Christ. Because it's through the shed blood of Jesus Christ that you and I receive salvation and that you and I receive forgiveness of sins. However, it is extremely important. And you'll notice that even in Matthew, before they start talking about Jesus, they, they talk about God the Father. Because it is critically important that we understand if Jesus Christ was not the Son of God, His sacrifice is meaningless. He has to be the Son of God. So we have to believe that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin, Mary, that he was the Son of God, not the Son of Joseph, because if he was just, if he was just the Son of Joseph and Mary, he would just be another man, and his blood would have been nothing. His blood could not take away sin. As we talked about here just a couple weeks ago, when John looked up, he said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. If Jesus Christ was not the Lamb of God, the Son of God, His sacrifice would have been meaningless and you and I would have been without hope. So this is where it tells us, it's, listen, it's critically important that He talk about the Father first before He talk about the Son. It's critically important that we understand that it's who, the, who Jesus' father is is critically important because if he's not the son of God, it's all meaningless after that point. If Isaac was not the son of Abraham, it would be meaningless at that point. Abraham's wealth and prosperity would have meant nothing if Isaac wasn't his son. So that's why this is so important. We see the topology here. So the, the, the servant, he goes through and explains everything, not only about um, Abraham, the father, but also he talks about Sarah, uh, the, the Isaac's mother. And, uh, and this was important because he was talking to people who may have met Abraham and Sarah at some point. We don't know that for sure, but they certainly knew who Abraham and Sarah was. Okay, so they're, he's telling them who he is and who he is representing. Uh, and <clears throat> this phrase that he used in verse number 36, uh, and Sarah, my master's wife, bare a son to my master when she was old and unto him hath he, uh, he, hath he given all that he hath. Now this is important because guess what? God the Father gave everything to Jesus Christ the Son. And we can see that in Matthew eleven twenty seven, 27. 
Jesus said, all things are delivered unto me of my Father. In Matthew 28, 18, Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. So basically what God said is God said, because of what the, the Son was willing to do and the sacrifice that he made, he put everything under the hand of the Son of God. So what God did, he took all his authority, all his power, everything and gave it to Jesus Christ. That's why that it says that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue should confess that he is the son of God. You see, God is not going, we will bow before a holy God, but that's not, he didn't say that every, every tongue will confess and every knee shall bow to God the Father. Nope, he said it, it'll be to the son because the son is the one that has all authority. All authority, everything is under the Son's hand because the Father gave it to him. John 15, 26, But when the Comforters come, who I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth of the Father, he shall testify of me. So this is where the servant is a type of the Holy Spirit because Jesus said in John that when the Holy Spirit, the Comforter comes, he will testify of him. So here's this servant testifying of the Son, testifying of the Father and of the Son. So you can see the typology here uh, that we have. Um, and he goes on to say that my, uh, <clears throat> Abraham made him swear that he wouldn't take a wife uh, of the daughters of the Canaanites, but that go to his father's house. Uh, and in verse number 42, he said, I came this day in the well and said, he told him about the prayer that he prayed. Uh, and then in verse 47, he said, I ask her whose daughter art thou? Um, and then verse 49, he said, and now if you deal kindly and truly with my master, tell me, and if not, tell me that I may turn to the right hand or to the left. So basically he tells them, let me know whether or not we're going to make this happen. And if not, I'll go find somebody else. <clears throat> then Laban and Bethuel, you remember who was... Um, Rebecca's father was Bethuel. So here they say, okay, well, he wasn't dead because here he's mentioned Laban and Bethuel. Well, Bethuel was most likely uh, Laban's brother who was named after his father, or he was Laban's son who was named after his grandfather, right? So it was either Laban's son, Bethuel, who he named after his dad, or it was his brother who was named after his father. But we know that Laban is the more important one here because Laban was mentioned first. If this was Bethuel, the father of Rebekah, Laban would not have been mentioned first. It would have been the father, then the son. So this Bethuel here, we don't believe, is uh, Rebekah's father, but either her first cousin or... Um, her uncle. Um, the thing proceedeth from the Lord. We cannot speak unto thee bad or good. Behold, Rebekah is before thee. Take her and go and let her be thy master's son's wife as the Lord has spoken. And it came to pass when Abraham's servant heard their words, he worshiped the Lord, bowing himself unto the earth. So basically they said, who are we uh, to argue with the hand of God? 
everything that you've told us. It's obvious to everybody that this was the will of God, that this is under the hand of God. And they said, absolutely, 100%. Uh, you can have her uh, to be uh, Isaac's wife. So then he praised God and he worshiped. Verse 53, and the servant brought forth jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment and gave them to Rebekah. He gave also to her brother and to her mother precious things. This is once again, we know that her father wasn't alive. We know that her grandfather wasn't alive because if he was, the servant would have gave them gifts as well. But he only gave gifts unto her, to her, to her brother, and to her mother. So those were the folks that were still alive. Um, and verse 54, they did eat and drink, he and the men that were with him, and they tarried all night, and they rose up in the morning, and he said, send me away to my master. So now the servant gets up in the morning. They had this big, huge celebration, and he gets up in the morning, and he says, I'm ready to go. Listen, he's in a hurry. Wouldn't you be in a hurry? <laughs> God has done a great thing. His master said, I want you to go find a specific person of my kindred, a bride for my son. He went and found her. He, he didn't want to wait another minute. It probably killed him to wait till the morning. Okay, but he got up early and he told him, he said, give me Rebecca and let's go. I got to get, I got to get back to my master. I got to get her there. But listen to what they said. Um, <clears throat> verse 55. And her brother and her mother said, Let the damsel abide with us a few days, at the least ten. After that, she shall go. So they said, Well, let's not get in such a hurry. Don't just, you know, the mother's like, Don't just take my daughter. I want to spend some time with her. You know, probably, she probably knew, probably never going to see her again. Right? I don't know how old her mother was, but she's probably thinking it's a long trip, a long journey. Probably not going to see my daughter again. Let me spend at least 10 days with her. And the brother said, yeah, let us, let us spend 10 days. Um, now, the servant didn't want to have, didn't want to hear any of this. Uh, and he said unto them, hinder me not. He said, don't make me wait. Seeing that the Lord hath prospered my way, send me away that I may go to my master. So he's telling him, he said, don't, don't do this to me. Can you imagine him hanging around and waiting 10 days? He would have lost his mind. <clears throat> and they said, we will call the damsel and inquire of her mouth. So they said, well, let's ask Rebecca. And they called Rebecca and said unto her, wilt thou go with this man? And she said, I will go. So in other words, she said, mom, I love you. Laban, my brother, I love you, but I'm in a hurry to meet <laughs> my bridegroom. So she said, I'll go right now. So she was in as much of a hurry as the servant was. <clears throat> and then in verse number 59, they sent away Rebekah, their sister, and her nurse, and Abraham's servant, and his men. So her nurse here... In verse number 59, uh, we find out later uh, that uh, her name was Deborah. In Genesis 35, 8, but Deborah, Rebekah's nurse, died and she was buried beneath um, Bethuel under an oak. 
So we know that this nurse here uh, is uh, the nurse Deborah. Verse number 60, And they blessed Rebekah and said unto her, Thou art our sister, be thou the mother of thousands of millions, and let thy seed possess the gate of those which hate them. And Rebekah arose and her damsels, and they rode upon the camels and followed the man, and the servant took Rebekah and went his way. Now, this is kind of important here because you'll notice that Rebekah did not know where she was going. Rebekah did not know where Isaac was. Remember, Rebekah is a type of the church, and Isaac is a type of Jesus Christ. So you and I, we can't get to Jesus. Give me directions to get to Jesus. Anybody know? How are we going to get there? When I die, how am I going to find heaven? How do I know the way? How am I going to get there? You see, you and I don't have to worry about that. Because the Holy Spirit of God lives within us and He guides us and He directs us. He's the one that tells us. You see, it's God's responsibility to get us to the Son. It's not our responsibility to figure it out. Here, it wasn't, it wasn't uh, Rebecca's. They, they didn't say, yep, you're going to be the, the wife of the one that God has chosen and blessed everything. Hope you find Him. Figure out where he's at. Figure out how to get there. Nope. She just had to get on the camel and follow the servant because it was the servant's responsibility to deliver her to the master and to the master's son. So when we think about that, listen, when somebody uh, dies, my uh, aunt passed away here just a few weeks ago, and when her eyes closed in death, I believe, and I get it from the scriptures, from the word of God, that Jesus Christ dispatched a band of angels and they carried her. And it tells us that the same thing happened uh, with Lazarus, that he was carried by angels into Abraham's bosom. And I believe that we don't have to figure out where God is, where Jesus is. When we close our eyes in death, the, the, the angels will carry us into the presence of Almighty God and present us to the Son of God, our Savior, and our Lord. Yeah. You see, we don't have to figure that out. Aren't you glad we don't have to figure it out? Aren't you glad we don't have to figure out how we're going to pay for our sin and we don't have to figure out how we're going to get there and how we're going to please God? Because, listen, every single one of us, when we get to heaven, God's going to look at us and he's going to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And I've had people say, well, I don't know if he'll say well done to me. I don't know if I can live good enough for him to say well done. He's not saying well done because we lived a sinless life. He's not saying well done because we earned it or because we deserve it. He's saying well done because we accepted the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and our sins were forgiven because we accepted the sacrifice that his son paid and that is well done. So all of, listen, do we strive to be as good as we can? Absolutely. Do we strive to serve God the best we can? Absolutely. Do we, do we resist temptation and stay away from sin? Absolutely. But that's not why God's going to say well done. He's going to say well done because we accepted the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made. Now, um, got to jump down. <clears throat> and Isaac came, verse 62, uh, from the way of the well, uh, and Isaac went out 
so basically what happened is Isaac saw the camels and he, he didn't wait. He knew that his bride was coming, so he took off across the field. He, he didn't stand there and wait on the servant to bring uh, the bride. He took off. And then Rebecca asked the servant, he said, she said, who is this man that's coming across the field to meet us? And the servant said, that is my master's son. And Rebecca immediately jumped off the camel and put a veil on because it would have been inappropriate for her to remain seated and to be uncovered in the presence of her bridegroom. So she immediately got off and that's where they met. And then what the Bible tells us, we're running out of time, but it says that Isaac took her and he immediately loved her and he took her to his mother's tent. So at the time, the, the husband would have their tent and the wife would have their own tent, her own space. So Sarah's tent was still there, but Isaac took her into his mother's tent. And the Bible says that Isaac was comforted with the presence of Rebekah. He was comforted with the law. He was still feeling the loss of his mother. And another important thing, when he took her into his mother's tent... That is really important because that meant that she was recognized as a part of the family and all things were given to her because all things were given to him and everything that was his was also hers and she, she was placed in the place of honor. So when you and I get to heaven, we have to understand it's not going to be God and Jesus and then the angels and then us down here. No, no. The Bible says that we are joint heirs with Christ. That when we get to heaven, how, why in the world God would do it, I don't know. But he's going to elevate you and I to the same level as Jesus Christ because we're the bride of Christ. And just like, just like uh, Rebecca, all things were given to her because all things were given to Isaac. All things will be given to us because all things were given to Jesus who we are the bride of Christ.